Hi and welcome to the fifth episode of HyperTalks. I am Matilda and I will be your host today and with me I have Minna. Hello. That will be co-hosting and today we have invited Jesper Åström as our guest. Hi, thank Hi. you. So to kick this off, uh, we will start with a check-in as usual. If you are a frequent listener, you probably know this by now. But a check-in is a tool for us to connect and kick off uh, the day or a meeting. Have you done a check-in before, Jesper? Yeah, I have. It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of good to just like set a tone for leaving whatever is outside outside, and then just focusing on what's what's in the room where you're in. So Mina, do you have any suggestion for a check-in today? I do, because since we will talk about the viral hack today, I think it would be really cool if we could do a check-in by sharing our life hacks. Ooh, maybe you can take the lead then in sharing your life hack. Of course, I can start. I would like to share a life hack, um, including post-its. One part of it is a little bit sticky, and you can just drag it in your keynote. And it collects all the dust and small particles. You know, you should try that out because your keyboard is yeah. often very dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Check in. Is it me now? Yeah, you can go. All right. Uh, well, I think that I have a. I've I've recently discovered a mental um, sort of life hack where I stop caring as much about, especially about what other people think, and I just do because I realized that those people who have a lot of opinions about the stuff that you do actually drain you and they stop you from doing it. So now I just, I've actually uh, ended friendships now just to get more free time. And I think that that is something that is a great life hack to just like end relationships with people, even though they're your friends, if they're just taking energy from you, that is just like, you just call them up and say like, it's over. We've had a good run, but it's over now. Uh, just as you would with a with a, like a romantic relationship, you should do that too with your with your friendships. And I find that uh, astonishingly good uh, life hack to just yeah end those time wasters and energy like consumers that you have in your life. Interesting with uh, breaking up uh, with your friendships as Very. well. Yeah. But I agree. My life hack because I feel like I have to uh, pass in my email all the time and I have quite a long name so it takes like time so then I made a shortcut for my email so it's uh, to at like in a row and then it's my email nice so as uh, Minna said we will talk about the viral hack today with you Jesper and if you don't know what it is don't worry we will come into that now but first like can you introduce yourself for our listeners so I'm a Swede I have been uh, working in the digital sort of market for about 19 years now. So it's about 35,000 hours. I started out in 98, 99. uh, And uh, since then, I have just solved problems from a tactical position, meaning uh, I've been doing the stuff that other people have decided is the stuff that needs doing. So, for example, when a strategist or a creative is done with, with their work, of the why and the what, uh, I step in and I solve the how. And that's really when I, yeah, that, that's what I like the most. And I, I'm doing that in essentially like some consulting, some uh, sort of uh, coding, very limited. I, I suck these days at coding. Uh, but then I also have uh, education that I help with. 
Cool. Um, if we continue, we would like to know what is the most interesting thing on the internet at the moment? It's that it's changing. Like, so for, for, for the past two years, we've had a lot of boring time online. It's been a lot of services like, you know, Snapchat and uh, like uh, Musical.ly and all of those like apps, they've just been released and they've picked up traffic and people are using them. But it's, I mean, from my perspective, that's just boring, right? Because it's like, okay, I have to learn another tool. I have to learn how people are using that tool. And uh, it's just like a lot of research and no real utility coming out of it. Now the big players like Google and Facebook, they're starting to offer services on top of their original services. Like Google, they have just released uh, Optimize, which is uh, their like Optimizely killer. And it's the best uh, like website optimizing tool that I've tried in like ever uh, and then then uh, just a few days ago they released their data studio which makes like it makes the work of just visualizing simple dashboards for clients so much easier and since they are already using and used to using google products uh, like the onboarding is very very uh, fast so it's services like that that are starting to pop up now so it's not just more and more work but it's also a lot more utility that is coming out of it. And so that's the hottest thing online right now. Um, in terms of crea creativity, um, I don't see that uh, uh, we don't get like any surprises. Uh, and so like there is not, the, the, there's been like for the, for the past four or five years, there's been just so much content that has been spewed out online. Positive, negative, hate, love, whatever. But, you know, it's come to a point where we don't feel surprised anymore. And so uh, that in part is a, a place where uh, like the mechanics that I, I work with uh, come into play much, much more. Because it's, I mean, it is methods to put lipstick on a pig. Uh, you know, you should be able to launch shit. It's easier if you have good stuff, but you should be able to launch bad stuff as well because that is what people are paying you for so that's really like i'm happy at the point we're at because that's when like my experience steps in and becomes valuable so that, that long answer to a short question sorry <laughs> yeah it's uh, so interesting to hear about and uh, yeah we know that your passion is like the digital world and you've mm. been a, a typer and lectured us it's been super interesting but what are your passions like outside the digital world <laughs> I have none. I actually don't. <laughs> I have no other passion than work. And I mean, this is also a realization that has come to me over the past year. You know, it's that that's what I'm good at. And that's what I feel passionate about. I, I like solving problems. If there's a, something like the, the unsolved problem in my life is still when I go down to book the, the, the washing machines in my, my, my house, this board where you book that thing it's just so inefficient. Yeah. It's just like you can only book three hours. I'm, I'm, I live by myself. And why would I need three hours to wash my clothes? Why don't they, you know, come up with a better solution? So it's those types of, of problems that I meet every day, those that I can solve. That really, you know, drives my, my passion. But then there are those unsolvable problems. I don't know how many emails I've written to, to the people who own the house. And just being like, you know, this is a solution I would suggest. This is a solution we could do. Can we try this? And they're like, no, 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 no. So, yeah. So that is my passion. I don't have any other passions than work and, uh, you know, solving problems. 
good to hear because now today we will talk about the, your work. Yay! So we will talk about your passion. <laughs> and our topic for today is viral hacking. And uh, we know a bit what it is, me and Mina, but uh, can you just explain for our listeners? Right. So the good, like for any good story to go viral... It needs to have like it needs to fill some prerequisites. So if something goes viral by chance, it needs to be new. It needs to you know people need to learn something from it, and they need to feel something. So feeling, learning, and and like nuisance. That's like what goes into a creative concept. If it has that, then it has the potential to to sort of go on its own. However, to deliver that every single time is very difficult, and so. What I've been doing is that I've been looking at how people behave and then I've taken those behaviors and mechanics and then I've tried to sort of uh, build models and ways in which you can phrase your creative or pull small parts out of your creative in order to make things fly online. So that's the hack, like looking at people's behavior and then using those behaviors in order to build mechanics that will make them go, oh, this is so exciting. I'm going to share this with all my friends. And when they do, they get likes. And then their friends who like it will get more likes, etc., etc. So it's it's all about that. But then the model around it builds on that we have, uh, that, that, that you have to have a network around you. So that's the thing that's changed over the past few years, is that we, we've been able to sort of collect these networks around ourselves and that are really into what we are doing. So they're following us and they're like eager waiting for what we're going to do next. Most brands have, do a terrible job at collecting these networks. And so they just start pushing out their creative without having, they, they don't even know what their network is listening into. So this model, it always starts out with building a network. And it means that you should build a network of at least 1000 people. Once you have 1,000 people that you're connected with that are vested in what it is that you do, you move on and then you try to activate them. Once you've activated them, meaning they're talking about you, you use that engagement to sort of try and get other people to, to talk about that. So in essence, you might have uh, 1,000 people who are talking about your latest shoes and then you want a journalist that has a big audience to start talking about this, this as well. So you activate your followers to get in touch with that journalist. And then that journalist will not be able to look away from what it is that you've just launched. If they get 200 emails in a day, they will have to look at it. And as it's presented to a, a greater audience, then you start to seeing this, what, what looks in the graphs like exponential growth. But it doesn't happen by chance. You have to like work on those things. And then it comes into, you know, other things such as, you know, how you spend media on top of that. And uh, yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the core essence, like that's the essence of the model. It's that you have a network and you, you activate that network in ways that will bring it up to big audiences. So that's, that's how I work. It's super interesting. And we know that you have uh, a few very successful viral hacks. Yeah. And it would be awesome if you could share with our listeners um, one or two of them. Yeah, I mean, the coolest one that I've done, the one that most people uh, probably would recognize is when we worked with the launch of the Kung Fury soundtrack. 
And uh, this was like the Kung Fury was a, a Kickstarter that had about like 15, 16,000 people had paid money for it to become reality. This was a, a like 80s cop movie where the um, like Kung Fury traveled back in time to kill Hitler. But uh, he gets sent too way, like too far back in time, so he ends up in the Viking Age, and then he gets to travel back to to kill Hitler. But then, yeah, so it's a it's a weird plot, and so I mean, of course, the internet loves that stuff. And David Sandberg and and uh, Linus and and uh, all of them who who were behind the project, they are just amazing creatives. So this was, you know, it's an easy project to work with, and they have like fifteen, sixteen thousand backers. Who have already vested a lot of you know uh, emotion and 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 hope into this project. So for me, it was just coming there and applying my model and some some structure, because one of the partners in this project were Universal Music and they had bought some some rights to the merchandise or something like that, just to make sure that the project was going to happen. And so what what they asked me to do was to make sure that David Hasselhoff was who was going to sing this uh, like the tune there that uh, he got enough streams uh, on YouTube. And so this might sound like, you know, I mean th- thinking about it it's like David Hasselhoff he wasn't really the hottest artist uh, and and Confury although it was, you know, a a good a strong kickstarter it's still a very narrow space you got to work with. Plus, most of those guys who are already like invested in Kung Fury, they don't necessarily like Universal Music because of the whole like peer-to-peer movement and uh, you know copyright and all of that debacle that has happened over the past few years. So, like, it's a bit of a you need really need to structure it so that the right messages reach reach the right person at the right time. And so, what we did was we used these fifteen thousand people, and we. Made sure that they did these activities on online, like vote on or like upvote on Reddit. We made them contact some local journalists. We made interviews with with some of them so that we would be relevant in in like small markets. And then we ran a tactic called the forty eight hour launch tactic. We started out in in Asia, in Malaysia, because one of the biggest backers he had spent ten thousand dollars just to be a part of this this uh, this movie. And we asked him to, to you know, we interviewed him and then we pitched him to Malaysia Star, which is one of the <clears throat> big newspapers there. And I've, I had some, some contacts there. So I, I talked to them and they posted this story about him. We could then use that movement, you know, both the upvotes on Reddit, that meant that this, like, uh, this video already had like 600,000 streams. Then we could use the Malaysia publication to start to build a story towards Europe that this was, you know, this was really happening. This is something big that you need to pay, like you need to pay attention to this. And what that meant was that we could get larger publications to put it in their newspapers because this was something that they had to cover because it was popular. And then we used that in order to pitch it to the US. And then we did another round of pitching because now Japan and Malaysia, they were first with this story, right? They're like, oh, we, we created a trend that spread around the world. That was the next day story. And then the, the next day, <laughs> we did this really ridiculous thing. We pitched to, to, uh, to Bleed that the Germans had always been right uh, about uh, David Hasselhoff. 
and they bought it. So they put it on the top of, of Bleed in Germany. They put a, a story about, uh, like, <laughs> us, the Germans, we've always been right about David Hasselhoff because they're just about the only ones who've been listening to his music. So so they put it up there, and that alone got, like, two million streams on YouTube. So it was kind of, yeah. I mean, and then we went on to the U.S. again, and, and within 48 hours, there were about like 1,100 publications around the world. And so this is, it's, I mean, the tactics that we use are a mix between, you know, old spam tactics, but used in a, a new setting where they make sense because they're, they're backed by actually a good creative rather than being backed by something that is like simple crap. And I'm using too many words to describe this now, but yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those moments <clears throat> in your life when you, when you get to test your, because most of the time you get to test your model on crap, right? Because you're like marketing a soda or you're marketing a, like a political party or something like that. And so the creative you get is always like stiff and, and it's sent back and forth between you and the client until it, it doesn't have any emotion left in it. And so this time was one of the only times when we've actually had a good creative. We've had like every, it was perfect setting to run this and the result was i mean now i don't know how many million views it's like 26 27 million views and we didn't use one like one crown or one dollar in in media spend on it so that's the the effect of it is that you get a lot of attention but you don't have to pay uh, a lot of money for it yeah it feels like i'm backstage in the viral <laughs> world now seeing how how it is but I want to know more about the behaviors than mm. like the mechanics uh, mm-hmm. behind like sharing and liking because now it's like a baby looking like Ed Sheeran that goes viral. Mm-hmm. So what's the mechanic? Why do people want to share a video of David Hasselhoff? So in in that case, we created these stories. So we know that everyone has their own special interest. First thing we try to establish is a story about the story that is relevant to you. So we break, uh, like the main creative, we break it apart into every little small detail that we can. And so, for example, in this video uh, with David Hasselhoff, there was a wolf dog. We know that the dog community is huge uh, online. And so what we do is that we then pitch to them that the truth, which is that the wolf dog is the most featured dog breed in the world in Hollywood movies. And that is now featured in this video that we have. So they both get a good creative content and they get a story that is relevant to their users. And if we then have this, this, uh, uh, these vanity metrics, as I say, if, I already, if we already have like 500,000 or 600,000 views, they already know that this is popular. So instead of us coming like, yeah, we need your space, uh, we're coming like, yeah, we have access to the most popular content online, the sort of questions you get are quite different. In the first one, they're like, yeah, what's your budget? You can pay us to get it on our website. And the second one is like, how much can we pay you to get this content on our website? So it's a matter of understanding what people find, like what they see, what they see as their currency. Like most cases online, traffic is a big currency or likes or things like that is a huge currency because most of the models are... Like business models, they are built upon on uh, uh, pay-per-click or uh, something like that, or CPM, like meaning they, they get paid whenever something is showed a thousand times. So they're eager to get traffic. And so whenever you can guarantee them traffic, they're willing to, to, to be in on it. But this is only for like the, the massive releases that that happens. On, on a more like basic level, 
Uh, the story about the story is you need to set it because it has to be relevant to whoever is going to post it. The second thing is, is there is a content type I call me content where I can just take a content piece and I can publish it and it's as though I'm saying it. So it says something about me. And there are some perfect examples about that online and they, they're flowing by every, every day, essentially. Then there is another type of content, which is the wow content. And that has a strong story about the story. And with it, I can explain that I am special. So with the wow content, I can say something. I, if, if I have a do- detail about wow content, like, for example, I know that the producer of this movie was this or that person, then I am very willing to share that to my network because it says something about me, right? So that's wow content. Then it's versus content. It's another content type. And this sort of sets a simple choice. So we call it open statement, closed question, where a user is like, okay, or a brand would go like, okay, we're releasing these new shoes on, on Friday. Do you want them in blue or green? You know, people go blue, 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 green, 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 because it's such an easy question to answer. And as they do that, engagement levels goes up, and that means that more people will see this content essentially. So we use these three types, content types. There are more content types, but I shouldn't go through them. These are the three most powerful ones. And we use them in order to activate people to just do stuff. And as they're doing stuff, we get more reach and blah, 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 virality. And I mean, a baby looking like Ed Sheeran, that's just, that's just funny. You know? so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so if I want to seem funny, I will probably share that. The biggest reason why people share on Facebook is because they want to reconfirm that they still exist. Which means that I don't post because I want to share something that is valuable to my community, but I want to share stuff to just say like, hey guys, I still exist. And then please, please confirm it, please, please. And then they get a like and they're like, oh, I still, <laughs> in this world, I exist in a setting where people know who I am. So that is essentially what is happening all the time. It's different between different people. Like, for example, if I feel really bad, if I'm in a bad phase in my life, I will post like mad to Facebook. If I'm in a good place, I won't post at all. So my friends who who are really close to me, whenever I overshare, when they say like it's the Facebook of Jesper, when they just log in and it's just me, then they they know that something is wrong and they call me and they make sure that I'm okay. But all the other time, like now, I've, I think I posted once or twice this week, which is really rare, which must mean that I am in a very, 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 very good spot right now. Hopefully, HyperTalks would make it to uh, Jesper's Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Anxiety. Go viral. <laughs> Do you think <clears throat> that this will happen in the future as well? Because now, like, a new luxury is to be offline. Yeah. What do you think about that? Or will the viral hack like exist? Most of these uh, techniques that we use are are more effective offline. So, for example, we at at a, a festival in Sweden that's called Summerburst, we ran the same kind of of idea, but we 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 said like, okay, this event space here is it, it is a website, and we are going to convert people into sharers. And then our first uh, insight was people don't share when they have too much fun. People share when they are bored. So we identified all the places where people would be bored. And uh, then we activated people there uh, by just like, we hung up a frame. And on the frame we wrote like, uh, I am here, where are you? Now that's me content, because I can just stand behind that frame, take a photo of it and post it. And I don't even have to write anything. Because the picture in itself will actually 
be the me. Like, I am here. Where are you? And then other people go, oh, I'm not there. Uh, and then that dialogue will start. And that will then feed the algorithms. And it will go, you know, it will go viral that way. Then we just threw a spot in the ground that said selfie spot. And people, you know, lined up to that spot to take a selfie. And that's just now understanding that if people get... If people get a reason to do certain things, yes, they are motivated to share that they're there, but they might forget because they're having so much fun. And if you just put a trigger there for them to share, they will. There's this Swedish expression, and it's called uh, write someone on the nose. And it's a bad expression. Like, you're not supposed to write people on the nose. But in terms of, like, making people share. Yeah, I never it, heard it, that. Yeah. <laughs> What does that and, mean? Please explain. So it's when you like mans. It's an early child of mansplaining. It's like telling some something to someone that they already know, you know. So, so you're not supposed to do that. But in terms of making converting people into sharers, you actually have to. If you don't tell someone, like, yeah, you need to share this, or actually, what do you get from sharing this? Like, what's the value that the person who's seeing your message gets if they share it for, to someone else? Then they won't. So because they're just enjoying it. Perfect example is Epic Split. It's the most like most great creative in the whole world, right? Van Damme is making this epic split between the two. And it's considered the most viral video in the world. Now that video ain't viral. That's just the biggest bullshit I've ever heard, you know? <laughs> it's like you can see all the views to that video. They come over a span of like two, three weeks. Now it's just flatline. If we look at other viral videos, they continue being shared and shared and shared because they have that composite. That video is not viral. It's a great creative, but it's almost too great, right? So people are just enjoying it when they're watching it and they don't see a reason to share it. It's the perfect example when there is a misconception out there. When when someone is just like, just because something gets a lot of views, it means that it's viral, but it doesn't have to be. It can just be great. It doesn't have to be viral. So top of your head, uh, a video that goes viral, like over and over again. I would say, uh, I mean, discounting the videos that are like, uh, like Gangnam Style and Gotjes, you know, somebody that I used to know, those guys are vi- viral all day, all day long. But the only viral commercial that is going viral again and again and again is the one with the Old Spice. Uh, the guy who's like, look at me, now look back at you. Yeah, I know. Look at your man, <laughs> now back at me, mm-hmm. now back at your man. And then, I mean, the way that it, that that it goes viral is that it has this built-in story about the story that it's taken in one shot. And so whenever someone gets to know that that video is taken in one shot, they need to watch it again and again and again. And then they tell all their friends about it. And then they tell all their friends about it. And then, so you can really see on the curve that it activates itself again and again and again. And, you know, that that is a viral video. But a lot of other examples that are called viral, are they, they're not viral, they're just good. It's funny that the most ridiculous video is like the viral video. Mm. So, yeah, I want to want your opinions a bit about like the moral compass in this mm. like how how should you think about like viral hacking and get, ethics and so on get a get a friend with morals you can't if you're gonna do this you cannot have any morals i mean you, the, the thing is that if you have morals then you always question yourself and the time it takes when you question yourself is gonna like take the moment away from you I mean, it's not that you shouldn't have a conscience. I mean, you do feel bad. Sometimes when you've used people 
in a way, you know, you see that they're actually doing something that you intended them to do in large masses. What happens then is that you feel feel dirty, you know. <laughs> but but so and and that that is healthy. That is healthy. But to think about that beforehand, there's just so much other shit that is going on in the world. I just think it's too much fun. And I cannot think about it that way. I, I'm sure that if I'm put in a situation where I, you know, I, I will do stupid stuff like again and again, and I have done my whole life, I've done stupid things. But the thing is that if you're going to work with people and you want them to do something, you got to use the most effective ways to make that happen. And you really got to, you know, be a little bit of Spider-Man's granddad or whatever it was, you know, like with great power comes great responsibility and set your own rules for where you don't use these techniques. For example, or for what companies you wouldn't work for. I have very strict rules. For example, I cannot, I'm not allowed to use these techniques uh, offline or like in a person, in my private life. Because... (laughs) I've used it once and I felt so bad because I had broken the rules. I didn't want to go to a concert. My girlfriend, she wanted me to go to this concert. My my ex-girlfriend, naturally, she's not with me anymore because I used that. But... uh, (laughs) Warning sign. Yeah, I know. I know. Call me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but... But they 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 wanted... So so I didn't want to go to that concert and then I used it and it was not good. Uh, because she sort of saw through me because she knows about what I do for for a living. She was like, are you using one of those tactics on me? And I was like, yes. And then it was bad. But, you know, morals, ethics, I'm not a good ethics person. I like to share photos on Facebook with fat little kids. And I, I, I think it's so funny. I mean, but I know it's wrong. But it's so funny to do it. And then I get haters in the comments like, you can't, you know, exploit children that way. And I'm like, I know I can't. But it's so funny to do it. And then it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I delete the photo. And then I'm like, I shouldn't have deleted that. But into like the viral hack, like how (laughs) do you, uh, what's your tips for implementing it? Except for from hiring you. No, uh, no, they sh- they it. they can't hire me anymore. Actually, oh really? Yeah, I'm stopping consulting the traditional way. So I I can sp- it feels so good. So I can speak freely, you know, and give people half advice and like I don't want to give you more. Yeah, never mind. What they should do is they should start building their network. That's the number one step. So collect and in essence it means collect emails, collect emails and phone numbers to people who are excited about what you do. Some will fail doing that because they're not excited themselves about what they do. But for those who are excited about what they do, they should start collecting the primary contact for those people that they want to have in their... So Facebook likes don't, you know, they don't count. Uh, Real hard contact details to people. Once they have that, they should start thinking about in what ways could you create... uh, Like, what is our goal? What do we want people to, to do? And then think about how are people behaving currently today? What is happening in all that stuff that they don't think as being within their brand guidelines or whatever? Like, what are people actually doing? And how can we tweak it? How can we keep the behavior, but we put our color and uh, product into it? That's how they should think about it. And then they should just start testing and trying. Most of them won't dare doing that. 
but that's what they should do because that will teach them so much on on what works and what doesn't work. Isn't it also important to be very fast about it because a lot of company feel that they want to do something they want to do it perfectly mm. but when they actually are finished it's way too late. Yeah. And they they put all their money in one basket. So there is this 1990 behavioral model where you look for people who are willing to co-create with you and the logic goes if you have more people creating content around you then one is doomed to be right so the more content that is being produced and you just keep your eyes out and you look at this content and then something will start picking up and then you back the living crap out of that with your media money because that is more that is better to do that than to you know put all your media money in your own you know creative because then you have just have one shot here you got like a hundred shots instead completely agree with you like try a lot of lot of small things fast and uh, you can usually not afford to do that on your own so you need to engage other people to do it for you so going into the 1990 model yeah. like who is your ones then like how do you know that this is a one among like in this network of so thousands of people it's people that i don't reward with their currency and they still hang around and they uh, give me stuff for the benefit of us and our relationship so if if i am a brand uh, then i would want people who sort of easiest case you you go on your facebook page and you see all the people who have posted to your facebook page and they post like their collection of all your products that you've ever put on the market that is a typical one behavior they are into you not because they have to or because they're getting paid but because they love you so you're their main interest and collecting those is really easy it's just being open to them because they are a bit creepy they like you probably more than you like yourself And so you have to be open to let them in. But once they're in, they're willing to co-create with you. And they're willing to, you know, uh, if you have a hundred of them, it's enough to create. I mean, you can create so much content. And no one has a marketing department of a hundred people if you're, you know, if you're a reasonably sized company. So so that that is why I, I, I you know, I really like them. Or I, I think that companies should be open to them because they get the superpower that they uh, lack otherwise. But yeah, those are the ones. The nines, purpose, right? That's a really like the game relationship. The, the nines are people who use you to talk about themselves. And so they might use your brand. If you're exciting enough right now and they want to seem as though they're exciting, then they will use your brand to do that. And so these guys are not loyal to you. They they will use you anytime that you are unprepared, you know, and prepared. That's what this whole model is about, being prepared on how to use them. So you need to build attraction to them and with them and, uh, uh, you know, give them resources that they can use to talk about themselves. And the rest of the people will just watch and get entertained. So that's the model. So it feels for me like influencers are nines. Or where would you put influencers? Yeah, the people we call influencers today are, are definitely nines around our brand. Um, and the big problem that most brands do, like the big, like, <laughs> well, 
that's that's a you know again uh, one of those issues where I just go because influencers are now being considered a media channel. I got this comment on LinkedIn the other day where a guy was like, you can buy influencer marketing for a very cheap CPM, which means that, you know, it's very cheap to market through these people. And I'm like, it's people. You peep, idiot. You know, that's what I was thinking. Of course, that's not what I replied, but I I just got so pissed because it's like, who are you to sort of uh, consume their brand and like, damage the brand that you're marketing as well because people will see through that i mean it's not a tv channel it's people and so here goes the person with no morals having like ideas about what other people do but uh, the, the the problem that i have with it is that they don't understand what power you can unleash if you don't treat it like a media channel if you get one of those people hooked on you uh just because they believe that they want to i mean it's just Whew, they will be around forever, you know. Good example when, you know, sometimes if you would pay them to post uh, like three Instagram posts to my one million uh, fans, you know, then, I mean, the engagement from them will be zero. Like the feeling in the copy, you know, because you can feel that tone of voice if it's real or if it's not. Rather, instead of paying them, you can invite them to a party where they will actually have fun for real, and they would post for you from that party. Just one example. But if you want to, like, which you should, because they are working with their handcraft, like, take them into the creative process and, and pay them for their creativity, for their ideas, for their participation, for those things. Because they have been able to build a network in this new world. They are good at doing that. So why not hire them to do that with you? And hold access to all those fun and nice and cool, you know, work assignments and treat them like a professional because they are. And you reward them for that with money or with access or whatever you want to do. And then they will stay around. Otherwise, they will just like, you know, drink one glass of wine on one photo from one brand one week and then another glass of wine from another brand the other week. And then wear these clothes or that's, you know, they will not feel any commitment. Yeah, so they are nines. But, but it is really interesting about influencers because it feels like every company is talking about them now. Mm-hmm. But I know that a lot of companies invite influencers to like co-create a fashion line, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. But won't that be old as well? Like inviting yeah. them into the creative process. That like now every influencer has their own clothing line with the brand. With the brand, yeah. But very few of them have their own clothing line, and so this is the thing. Once the influencers or the people we call influencers realize that they don't have to put up with only getting 5% out of what the company earns. Because, I mean, producing a watch, you can see Daniel Wellington, for example, their production costs are like so small and they're paying the, the influencers like a little money. Why don't the influencer create their own watch, you know, and sell it? I mean, if, you, if we would charge uh, a thousand crowns for that watch. You have about 20% cost or 30% cost maybe and you would sell it to a thousand of your followers. That's a million crowns. Your 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 in your revenue is 700,000 after you discount the cost. Who is paying them 700,000 to make those posts today? No one. They have the network today. And 
why don't we like they should be empowered to to start producing their own lines of clothes their own food their own you know because they have done the work they've done the hard work to build the network which the brands are now trying to capitalize on but they should really be penalized for it you know but that won't happen because everyone is greedy and everyone wants money and everyone wants access and everyone wants bling bling and so we will continue living a pretend uh, situation for a while longer until someone steps out of it we have one entrepreneur in sweden bella or isabella lavengrip who is really stepping out of it and using her network to create some like fantastic business and failing as well but i mean everyone should look at her like a lot of the a lot of the other influencers they're sort of like shaming her you know in in their blogs and when you know because they're jealous but they should copy her instead because she's doing something that is you know yeah it's something that she has the power over what she is doing no one else is telling her what to do so i think more people should do do go down that route um Matilda yeah. let's do it yes yes and let's invite isabella here as well you that should. would be awesome you should she's super cool cool but what would your or what do you think will be the most important skill within the future in the digital world uh wow that's a difficult question i don't know what do you think i think it will be not copying as you said like uh, or you said that you should copy isabella yeah. now but not just like follow the stream as yeah. well because she did something new Yeah, and we have been talking a little bit about what the future um, job might look like and which one that will disappear. And a lot of those things that are postmans, um, accountants, uh, things like that, they're doing the same thing all the time. Um, I think they're going to disappear. And I think it's going to be more about, um, of course, related to AI and uh, like human emotions and human thoughts and feelings in a way that maybe AI can't pick up at least not yet I'm 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 unsure I think like half at least of the jobs that are today will be gone in just a matter of years I know my my prior consultancy job being a digital tactician it will probably be gone in two years that will not be needed because all the tools and the AIs will do that much better optimize websites and uh, revenue streams and things like that make things viral you know it's much better if you use watson to do that than to use a jesper so i believe that that uh, like uh, vacation will be a job maybe in yeah. what way inspiring others so someone will go on vacation and then everyone else who wants to go on that person's vacation if they had a great experience so if i had a great experience on my vacation then i would be able to sell that as a great experience to other people in virtual reality so they are sure that they get a great experience from there or a crazy time you know uh, maybe that's something that will happen i don't know wow <laughs> I, i never even thought about that it would be so cool it was so funny because my cousins they got um like a vr kit for mm. uh, christmas and my grandma she's turning 90 uh, this may we forced her to try it on and she was like where am I what is happening she was so cute <laughs> I can't wait for this to actually like become even more real what do you think about VR then will it explode as everyone uh, yeah. says I am 100% sure uh, 
and uh, I don't think that it will be you know led by gaming and porn as much other of the the but I think that just the main like the f- it's so real it feels so much actually so much more intimate to be in a VR world than it does in the real world because it's sort of a the best case of worlds that happens because no one like I'm gonna program a shitty world here. No, it's always like nice weather, and when you go on the roller co- coaster, it's always the best roller coaster in the world. So, uh, I think that as a treat to yourself, when you get home after a shitty day, you can always enter enter the VR world in the beginning, and then I will. I think that more and more people will prefer the VR world because it is better, and uh, I mean it's amazing. Uh, the, the, if they just solve the thing, so I can move on my own. Then I mean I will move there, like plug me up. I'm like, please give me the shots, and I'm I'm there. And then the final thought is like, when are we gonna transfer our consciousness into a computer? That becomes the last step. Like how how much does our body have to be alive for our consciousness to be alive in a computer? How much like body do we have to? Because if I just go into a VR world. And I move around there freely, then do I still need my body for that to continue, or is there a point in time where we will be able to transfer our consciousness into the computer, and then live in the computer whilst our body is disconnected? I don't know. It's the that's the end game, I think. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts uh, spinning around in my head now. Immortality is uh, digital. Maybe we've been looking for it in the wrong places, but time flies fast here in hyper talks so we'll have to round off soon uh, but we have a question that we always ask and that's who we should bring here in hyper talks and why you think we should bring in that person i think isabella lovengrip is a, a perfect addition because she has done what other people just talk about doing i mean she she's done it And she is one of those people who fail and succeed and fail. I mean, she's she's doing it. She's living that that situation. I think that's a person to bring here. I also think that you should probably bring a guy called Fredrik Stenbeck here. He is uh, working with. Uh, he has a lot of interest uh, around AI's, uh, artificial intelligence. He knows a lot about Watson. Uh, that would be an excellent addition. Yeah, those two. Good, and then. Because we did a check-in, we will also do a check-out. So, Mina, will you want to take the lead in this one as well? Of course. Um, no, it's always very inspiring to talk to you, Jesper. I don't know why we bring me with me so much, but the last things here that we talked about about how about the future and like the what do we look like? Um, I don't know. I'm just gonna think a little bit more about what you said and and see where I land in that to see the opportunities and the challenges of it. Check out. I just feel like an asshole because I've been talking, like I've been having this long rant, you know, for for 45 minutes. No. So, yeah, I'm sorry for that. Uh, I know these things are supposed to be a bit of a dialogue, but you asked me really trigger questions. So I I I check out with an apology to the both of you <laughs> for just like, Wah! I check out 
with a lot of uh, new insights. Um, but I think it was really interesting that we talked about that viral hacking can go offline as well. I really like your summer burst example because I've just been thinking about digital. It's everything should be so digital uh, nowadays. So that was super cool. And I don't mind you vomiting about your <laughs> your uh, cool insights and your experience. It's been great to hear about. So if you want to find out more about Jesper, you can Google his name, Jesper Åström, and you can also see his video about viral hacking if you're interested in more of this. And you will find HyperTalks in Instagram and also on Facebook now, so please follow us there. So I wanted to say thank you for Jesper for coming here, and thank you to Minna for co-hosting me, and thank you to Beppo Studios for having us here today. 